Hi, this is Tom Johnson at I'dRatherBeWriting.com, and this is a recording of an STC chapter event that was held November 18, 2010 at Weber State University in Layton, Utah. And basically, the topic of this presentation, it's not really a presentation, it's a panel discussion called Educational Programs and Workplace Practices. And the, the description is as follows. It's often a mystery to practitioners what Utah's technical communication programs offer. Hiring managers are unaware about the knowledge and skills they can expect program graduates to have, and educators often struggle to understand workplace trends and realities. At this event, a panel of educators describe their programs and discuss with practitioners the effectiveness of their coursework. Professionals in the audience will provide insight into current trends in the field. So, Basically, this has a panel of academics who teach in TechCom programs in Utah, uh, basically describing their program and some of the challenges they face. And some practitioners in the audience also give feedback about some of these educational practices as well as different issues that they face. So uh, it's more of a discussion. Now, recording this discussion, almost impossible. I basically just put the microphone kind of in the middle of the room towards the panel and hope that it would uh, catch as much as it did. Um, so just kind of be patient with the audio quality. And you know, if you really, if you really want to hear it, you'll be able to hear all the content. Um, if you want to know more about the Intermountain chapter, check out intermountain-stc.org. All right, thanks. Uh, I guess I'll start. Again, my name is Jay Duell. I'm from University of Utah. We really don't have a tech writing program. I think we have one class in technical writing and one in business writing. And, um, but I've gotten into this group just back door. I had a boss that was into technical writing and got me all excited about it. And I've done a little bit here and there, so I'm not really your traditional tech writer, I guess although a lot of my work involves technical writing. And as Marge indicated, I work primarily with distance education, uh, fully online courses. So we have students from around the world that take classes. And in fact, I was just at a conference last week down in San Diego of people in my same position, different universities. And it was uh, quite interesting that the whole idea of just how to get the information out, and I'll talk more about that later, if if anybody's interested, but that's an introduction. Okay, um, BYU also is at a funny crossroad. We had a very small technical writing program that consisted of me and another professor, and she retired. <laughs> and the person who was gonna move into her slot uh, died suddenly, and someone left BYU. So we had to have some real big changes. But luckily in the last year, we have gotten approval for a rhetoric, a writing and rhetoric minor. So now we're going to have the minor, and we'll have, we have several classes that are focused on TechCom ideas. So we have a digital uh, culture class and a visual culture, a visual rhetoric class that we teach regularly, and then more specific ones as the students come through. So, and we're going to, it hasn't happened yet, but we'll end with a portfolio once we get our uh, minor up and running. Um, I'm Helen Hodgson at Westminster. We have both an undergraduate and a graduate program. The undergraduate program is in the communication department and it's a broad-based communication degree in which you can do an emphasis in technical writing if that's what your your focus is. And so we have courses in comm theory and technical writing. 
um, web design, writing for the web, um, uses of a variety of multimedia. So depending on which direction you're interested in going, we can kind of help you go down that road. Um, we also at the undergraduate level strongly encourage two internships um, for our students and require that they do one. And as the culmination of the program, they do do a professional portfolio and present it to the entire faculty and to communication professionals in the community. The graduate program is um, a master's in professional communication. This is its 19th year and there, there are a number of required courses that everyone takes, everything from visual communication to rhetorical theory and practice, uh, basic editing class, a class in professional and technical writing, a class in web design, class in effective presentation. So we kind of cover the gamut of what you might need. And then beyond that, there are four sequence areas, professional writing, communication and culture, multimedia, and my fourth one. Um, I don't know what we call it. Uh, strategic communication, which is most of the PR, um, IMC kinds of classes. And you take four classes in either one of the sequences or two classes in two sequences, depending on how much you want to specialize. So that's about us. Um, Becky McShane at Weber State. And we are, I think we're in our 13th year. Is that right, Holly? 13th year. We offer a couple of things, only undergraduate, but we have um, recently and we're in the process of getting a post-baccalaureate certificate approved. So we have a minor in professional technical writing and an emphasis in the English department. So our students have six classes that they take, very similar. We have um, the basic uh, professional technical writing class, editing, document design, content management, and our 4100, which is an issues class, which the topic varies, and then we have an internship very similar to the one that they have at Westminster. Our students do an internship and a portfolio, professional portfolio. Um, that's about it. I'm Dave Haley. <laughs> and uh, um, USU, we have an undergraduate in professional technical writing, um, uh, Master of Science that's entirely online. Um, students there, we have students from Microsoft uh, in Seattle and, uh, and uh, Oracle and Bangalore um, and pretty much everywhere in between. All working professionals, our requirement, our prerequisite is that you be a working professional. We don't, you know, our criteria for letting you in depends on uh, your GRE, which we don't pay much attention to, your GPA, which we don't pay much attention to, and your work experience. Your letters have to come from professionals, not from educators, uh, and your portfolio. And so we have really, really good students in this program, um, uh, and it's an amazing program to teach. And then we have the doctoral program. Uh, which has eight students in it, and uh, they're pretty typical doctoral <coughs> students in this area. They're getting some technology and a lot of rhetoric. Is that a <coughs> not online program? No, it's face-to-face. -face. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Now, they can take online classes. <coughs> a lot of my classes are cross-listed, but they tend to shun them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How well, many in the online program? Uh, eight. Eight or ten. No, the, in the online? Oh, in the online, no. No, we tend to run between 30 and 40. Uh, 
I think we have 32 or 33 right now. Mm -hmm. um, the, um, I lost my train of thought. Sorry. No, no, it's I okay. interrupted you. Uh, so anyway, oh, um, the, the, I think one of the things we do that um, is kind of interesting is we are way over in terms of technology. You know, our students use all of the latest technologies uh, that we can get to them. Um, so they're learning all of the CS5 right now. In, in my class, they're doing, um, in fact, today we did um, drop-down menus in Dreamweaver. Uh, and next week we'll be integrating XML into um, uh, HTML projects. So, you know, we're really pretty hard over in terms of the technologies. Excellent. Okay, really briefly, before we kind of open things up and um, do a little more interaction, University of uh, Utah Valley University, where I teach, we have a, what's called a pre-major or a minor um, in English with a technical communication emphasis. And this is a fairly new program. We have um, a balance of rhetoric, editing, we talk, have a class that's called Creative Process and Imaginative Writing. We have uh, prerequisite technical communication, and then we have an advanced um, technical communication, which is a project-based class where the students go out and um, solicit their own client, create a project, and take that project from concept to delivery in the class. Um, we have an interesting sort of mix at UVU between the practitioners, that would be me, and the theorists, which are very um, well-established faculty members that are not comfortable doing practical. So they teach a lot of technical communication theory and the students write great big long research <coughs> papers. <laughs> but um, that's, that's not where I live, luckily. <laughs> so I'm, I'm kind of relieved about that. But the, our classes um, have been very successful. As we were driving up today, Danette and Helen and I were talking. And we, um, at UVU, we do a lot of cross-culture classes. Um, I teach in my 4310 class, English 4310, a lot of digital media students. And what they end up doing is teaching sections of my class so that the entire class learns things like InDesign. And I learn at the same time along with the students, which is great. So it's a, it's a growing program. It's kind of still in its infancy, and we're doing a lot to generate interest in it. But right now, I think we might have 20 students in the program. So, um, Tom, would you like to kind of direct where we go from here? Uh, no, I think you're a moderator. <laughs> I mean, if you if you need questions or something, I'm sure we can supply some. But I'm, I know that you have to focus in the direction as well. So. Well, you're the one who put the. Information no, that out was on the web. A, that would be Ben. I'm the publisher. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so let's 
look at what, how the information structured on the, on the web announcement and kind of go from there. Practitioners can ask questions of the, um, of the academics. Students can ask practitioners questions. So it's, it's pretty yeah, much open. And I think the, the educators can also ask direct questions back toward the, um, you know, the professionals to say, you know, I've got this class, I'm not, you know, how much of, you know, we have this focus, how much of that goes on in the workplace? In the that, workplace. Just so we have things going back and forth. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Good. Okay. So let's open it up for <coughs> questions of the panelists or <coughs> any, actually any question. Ben. So I'll start. Um, in any of your <laughs> programs, do you, um, do, do graduates give you feedback um, about your programs? Do you have some official channel? Do you like, send out questionnaires to them by email <coughs> or anything like that that gets you some feedback so that you're not sending, you know, sending graduates out into this black hole and then you know, not, not really getting any feedback? I'm curious about that. So are you talking about the end of the semester kind of? At the end of no, their after they graduate, after and yeah, later on, yeah, get feedback. Or even maybe if you have interns that get out there and do they come back to you and, and uh, give you feedback on your, on your coursework? We don't have a formal mechanism for doing that. It's a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have a hard time tracking our graduates, frankly, keeping track of them once they leave. Um, but we do. Uh, most of us hear from graduates, you know, wanting um, referrals, wanting uh, letters of reference, wanting, you know, give me some job listings, that kind of thing. So we'll often hear about them. Um, so I guess it's more anecdotal. Right. We'll get information. Just to point, um, we, I, I'm on LinkedIn, <coughs> um, and that's the only social networking site that I affiliate myself with. Um, and I find out about my students from LinkedIn. And then I'm able to post it up to the Weaver State site so we can let potential graduates and graduates know that we're out there looking for you and we're proud of you days. But most of it is anecdotal. We'll receive email and I got a job. Then we pass it around to everybody and put it up on the website. BYU is a maniac for <laughs> tracking things. So, yes. But do they actually ask you about our program, or they ask you about English generally? Don't they? Uh, you know, my wife gets more of them than I do because she got a master's degree. Okay. So she gets one every year where she's supposed to give them feedback of where she's at, and what she's doing. And it's like a fifteen-page question. Yeah. So the <laughs> undergraduates, Paul was in some of my classes. So uh, the undergraduates, we track. I think every five years, they try to. Gather. So I'm surprised you haven't gotten anything, but um, I don't keep my updated. Probably. There you go. <laughs> but, but like everyone else, we hear anecdotal things, and then because of we've had these big shifts in our program, so initially my classes were more pr uh, project classes, but because of the shift, we have more classes that are broader for broader students, not just for people who were like the class I'm teaching right now, digital culture. I don't think any of my students, maybe one, is interested in actually being a technical communicator so you don't get always the feedback that you anticipate because they don't necessarily go in but we hear a lot back about how it was a big help to have some practical skills when they go out with a with a BA in English 
but, but that sort of stuff is more anecdotal. So we hear about the English major and English emphasis generally, and more about the ma English masters, but we don't hear specifically about our people besides LinkedIn or anecdotal things. We have two things going on. At the undergraduate level, as part of the proposal or of the portfolio presentation process that our students go through, they are required to write a letter to the faculty in which they assess the strengths of the program, the holes that they felt were there in their job search because most of them are in that process at this point. What have they found the potential employers are asking for that they don't have that we could have supplied for them? And so we use this as part of our you know, ongoing assessment, accreditation. Assessment is the word in accreditation and proving that your students actually are leaving with something. So we're now having to we come up with more minor, ways We have all these little that. notes about how we're going to track them, but we haven't up yeah. to this point. But we will. The yeah. other thing that we have is we have a, with our graduate students, excuse no, me, no, no. Um, with our graduate students, we have what we call Master Track. And this is a program that um, the students have to have a 3.5 GPA. They have to have 20 graduate hours out of the 40 in order to apply for Master Track. It's a year-long program. It doesn't have academic credit, but they meet one Saturday a month with two mentors who are in charge of the program. And then at the beginning of the year, those master mentors pair each of the students up with a communication professional who is their mentor all year long. So they meet with the master mentor once a month, they meet with their individual mentor once a month, and then they meet with the entire group once a month. So this is great for interaction between community people and our students to get a sense of but what do they need. But they're still in school at that moment. They, yes. Well, they can be alums. Oh, they, they can, can be alums. Be alums. Oh, that's good. Hmm. Um, I would say probably 75% of them are current students who meet those criteria, and some of them are recent alums. Okay. <coughs> Interesting. Oh, I was just going to add, we do a similar internship evaluation at the end of their capstone course, They, and we keep all those on file. And those are the kinds of things that we use to help uh, with our curriculum. You know, it was one of the reasons that we added a content management class a few years ago, was that we were seeing a gap in that our, what our students were getting. Document design was another one that we wanted to add because of that. So we had that information from students and our own perception that there, was, there were some gaps. And then we went out and surveyed the community, people we knew out in the community. We surveyed Intermountain STC um, employers, Hill Air Force Base and other folks in the area to find out what were the things that they thought technical writers should have. So we try to do that kind of periodic outreach assessment and that helps us with our um, curriculum decisions too. Now we don't, we don't do very much with yeah. the undergraduate students. Uh, we, we do the same thing with the portfolio where they have to, um, it's, it's more academic than talking about the courses I believe. I don't, I'm not actually in charge of that stuff so but if I, if I remember correctly from reading these portfolios, uh, they have to basically describe from an academic point of view their rhetorical decisions, things like that, mm -hmm. in, in the work they've done. And I see them talking about the faculty in those, and even you know, subtle complaints 
Not enough technology. We can't get enough technology. We had a we had a rebellion this year. Uh, do you guys do it? Uh, yeah. yeah. They're. Uh, I'm I'm kind of the only one that teaches technology. I think. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in the master's program, they're not afraid to tell us what they think. Mm -hmm. And so um, we we get a good sense of how they're doing. But they're also, most of the people in our master's programs are lead writers or editors or um, um, uh, even communications directors. We had one just graduate who was communication director for BP. I don't know if he was involved in communicating about this. <laughs> Not there anymore. <laughs> he was in London. But they'll, uh, I, I hear a lot from them about what they're doing. Um, especially as they go on, a lot of them go on to graduate <coughs> But it's the same thing. Uh, to, to address the d downside of that, we really should be doing that. If you want assessment, mm -hmm. yeah. I mean, if you want accreditation, yeah, if you want to demonstrate that you're doing a good job, you should be uh, gathering that information. But we don't have anybody who's interested in doing that job. So. Can I ask a follow-up question to that? To, um, um, I'm curious about, you mentioned the undergraduates say, give us technology, teach us how to use, teach us to use the technology. Uh -huh. What do the master's students say with, they have the, they have experience, do they, do they mm -hmm. say the same thing or do they all, do they say, no, we're, give me more of those thought, let's work on the other students? No, the master, no, they don't. Uh, the master's students um, are, are really pretty advanced and so uh, our classes are, typically on the cutting edge of research. Either teachers like uh, uh, Keith Gibson teaching theory, or me, uh, this semester we're doing complex information systems and problems with writing in that kind of an environment. And to do it, you know, the first third of the class, we dissected complex information systems, going through the code and where is it getting its information. And, uh, so they don't complain about not getting technology. We're, we're, by the, by about halfway through the class, we're in like no man's land where we're talking about stuff nobody's ever explored before. And so, um, like one of the things we came up with this semester is uh, there's this big sort of movement toward understanding complex information systems and if we, if we didn't find out anything else this, this semester, we found out there's no difference between a complex information system and a complicated information system. <laughs> and so uh, we quit saying uh, complex information system and started saying CCIS for complicated and complex information <laughs> systems. And so, that, no, they don't complain about not getting, they, they get, we're way ahead of anybody else I know in terms of dealing with technologies. The reason I ask is I, um, I was wondering where the, where the undergraduates are, you know, get the, get it, you know, and I, and I think it's probably the job postings that say you need to go mm -hmm. A, B, C, D, E, F, G, all the way through to Z, mm -hmm. and they think, oh, I've got to get out, come out of college with knowing all these things, and then, um, you know, what, what a lot of professionals find when they get out there is that, what the what the employers really want is is more more of the analytical skills and people skills and 
things that um, you can't just open a, an icon logic and right. run through a couple right. exercises and learn. And, and so it's cheaper for the employers to let you have a couple of these to learn how to use a tool than it is to, you know, so I, so I think that I think the job postings can be misleading. Can be misleading mm -hmm. to undergraduates. Well, and they, I, they you know, really I make my, yeah. I make my students subscribe to Lynda.com, and um, and uh, their employers should do the same uh, when they leave. And um, uh, the the mantra, my mantra is that if you can figure out, uh, if you can demonstrate that it can be done, you can figure out how to do it. And so you don't need to know how to do these things necessarily. You can figure out how to do them if you recognize that that, that conclusion is possible. Then there's no reason you can't do it. And so it really is about that. That's the thing I try to teach the students uh, is uh, kind of not to be afraid of the technology, to play with it, to, to screw around with it and and um, make mistakes. I love it when the students make mistakes because if you make a mistake and you learn from the mistake, you know what's wrong and you know why what's right is right. And so um, they don't like that one. <laughs> In many ways, it's more important to learn how to learn about yes, it technology yes, it than it is to learn a particular technology because uh, you can never, for us, we can never really keep up. Right. Uh, because and neither will our schools. And with neither the will technology. our schools because you know we're trying to do a whole large project. But if you figure out how to play with technology and to learn things and where you can go, then you become more valuable to um, employers. Well, that's I think, right. I think. Excuse me. I think that's true. Um, what we or the disconnect in some ways, in some places, is that the hiring people writing the the job descriptions and doing that first round of of um, looking at resumes. For the most part, are just checking off boxes. That's right. right. Mm -hmm. That's right. Yeah, that's so the problem. So if you says Dreamweaver on your on the job requirement, and the HR person sees Dreamweaver on the resume, there's a checkbox. You check it, right? But the thing finally gets to the person who's doing the hiring. Yeah. That's where you need the analytical skills, and where you need the, these actual somewhat soft skills, I guess, right. in a sense that aren't as quantifiable as can you use yeah. X technology. Yeah. Um, but if but they say you have to have that, right. if they say frame maker, they can't interview you if you right. haven't. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah, yeah. You never make it past the first HR person. Right. right. Yeah. Really. That's right. Right. It's a problem. And so there's a so there's a disconnect in some ways between as a hiring manager what I would be looking for and how that resume gets onto my desk. Mm -hmm. Because you you can't not just say we don't. I mean, you, you, they still you still have plus technologies that you're what you're using. Mm -hmm. But if there's an interesting disconnect there between for your students to say, well, you, you do have to know technology because you'll never get the job interview if you don't. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that separates us from journalism. We're more skills and good researching skills and good people skills than we are in the technology per se. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, so this is this is the the juggling act too that I encounter all the time. I have students who beg and beg for more technology, and we can't provide it. We just financially can't provide uh, the latest stuff. We don't have a dedicated computer lab. We've got all kinds of issues, but. Um, some of the ways I've told them to, to work around this is that, you know, you've, you're, you've learned this word processing tool, as you were saying, Danette, mm -hmm. you can certainly learn another one, you sure. know, they're, mm -hmm. they're basically the same kind of thing. But that also there's ways to experiment with software, as you're saying, Dave, you know, that notion of, you know, downloading stuff, yeah. trying out stuff that's yeah. online, and not lying on your resume necessarily, but 
you know, if you've played around enough with RoboHelp, mm -hmm. a demo version, you're probably going to be okay if you have some other background in, you know, help applications. Maybe you use something else. And well, that's um, and so if you use RoboHelp, then you can probably use Flare, you can probably right. use Offer, you can probably use Doctel. Right. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's right. a whole list of programs you can probably use if you understand the basic concepts right. of mm -hmm. a single source authoring help tool. Yeah. Right. But I'm always, this is always the struggle, it seems, is to convince, and this is something that I think we need to constantly be checking ourselves on is, you know, the academic side of things is, are we truly giving them the access to the technology that they need? And are there ways that we should be doing that better? Um, for instance, I teach this content management class, which is a, a real struggle for me because people say, well, what, what do you use? And I don't use anything. We do some basic, I make them learn some XML and we start from scratch and then they go and investigate tools because there's like a million tools out there. Um, but this is a real struggle because what, what's the latest tool going to be? Um, I'd love to hear what you guys think. What should we be doing tool-wise? Unspecific tools? Well, no, just, or, just or generally. I mean, where, where is that balance, do you mm -hmm. think? Because that's the, uh, the most frequent complaint on the internship evals is that mm -hmm. I wish, you know, I'd had more classes in this. And our stance, and I think a lot of academic programs do have this stance, is that we're not here to teach you. You can go take that class from a different department, different program, how to use Excel, how to use Word, how to use those, those programs. We're not here to teach you how to use programs. Now mm -hmm. How many of you are familiar with lynda.com? That's, you can learn anything. Anything on Lynda. Yeah. Anything in lynda.com. They have got the best tutorials, $25 a month. So you have to pay though. Yeah, it's, it's subscription. Mm -hmm. but, um, but it's $25 a month or $250 a year. Uh, and you, they, the only thing I've ever found that they don't have is FrameMaker. And I have no idea why they don't have FrameMaker. So the but they've got everything else. And, you know, I can require the students uh, go do their, so they do that instead of a book. Not this semester. This semester it was only um, suggested or recommended because we have to do that one year thing now. But uh, next semester it's required reading. That's their, re that's their text is lynda.com. Well, in our class where we're so limited with faculty, I really try to help students uh, own their own education and think about when they're starting to get ready, like a year out, they should be looking at job ads right. about the jobs they, they want. Need? And in addition to their classes, they should be doing things that are helping them. And uh, Paul's a great example. You did lot. You did lots of things when you were in school that weren't part of your part part of curriculum. But I think that's always the case. If you wait for someone to teach you everything, mm -hmm. then you're not a very interesting employee. Mm -hmm. And when right. when you become an interesting employee is when you are motivated yourself and you take that on to be the person you want that for the job you want. Mm -hmm. I'm, also, I'm sorry. Go no, this has been really cool in this content management class because I went into it not knowing very much at all and my the students that have really done well have done that. They've gone out and see, here's this tool or I'm just going to do XML and I found this great editor and so we're going to do this and they've done these amazing things. But then there's the other 75 percent <laughs> yes. that is just wallowed and I can't I just use word for the rest of my life mm -hmm. and yeah they're English majors <coughs> <coughs> well, who want to do creative writing and they do tech writing on the side we have um, these wonderful Macs that have both a Mac side and a PC side and 
I can't even count the number of times that I've heard, well, I'm not a Mac person. <laughs> it's like, okay, that doesn't fly. You've got these wonderful machines in front of you. Um, in the lab that we teach in, we have, it's called VM Fusion. VM Fusion. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. It's the most evil thing. <laughs> and I tell them, you know, we're going to work on the Mac side because it's easier and things work. And when they go to the PC side, they start to see the differences. And the big difference was when two, uh, Office 2003 came out and then 2007 came out. And I was working in, in the corporate world when Office 95 came, was there and then <coughs> Office 97 came out and things weren't backwards compatible. So I know that frustration. And I was trying to explain to them how, how you work through this and how you take what you've Great learned from whatever lesson. software that you've worked and you just build from there. It's not ever static. And so if they know something about FrameMaker or XML and can find these different programs, they've got to be able to transfer those skills. And that's what I, that's what I just hammer and hammer and hammer. Especially because they anticipate that you guys will have eight jobs in your lifetime yeah. and they'll be completely different jobs. That it won't be just right. that you'll go from right. being an, a project manager to a technical writer to a web person, but you might do something completely different. Yeah, in fact, that brings up another, uh, just to, to toot my own horn, I had an article come out this past <laughs> spring on offshoring and outsourcing. And uh, one of the things I'd recommend is you get out of technical writing just about as fast as you can. <laughs> You get up to a communications director or lead writer or get into one of those positions where they start wanting you to be an innovator. Once you're innovating, you're safer. But technical communication, half of the technical communicators now are contract. Yeah. You know, yeah. so you, you you don't want to stay in technical communication. You want to move just right through it into uh, or you get into a specialized field. For example, I was just at the American Medical Writers Association meeting, and there yeah. were jobs all medical over writers. the job. Yes, 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 yes. Biotechnology true. is another huge area that is really right. growing in yeah. Utah right now. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. So a couple of thoughts that came to mind when Becky uh, asked, you know, uh, any recommendations or anything. I, um, I wonder if you have any, any kind of like technology survey courses where you just hit, okay, let's we're going to spend the week talking about health author control. We're going to spend the week talking about design tools. We're going to talk, take weeks to talk about web design or whatever. Um, you know, kind of like the lit majors have their their survey courses mm -hmm. about lit. But um, and then the other thought was, I was in the USU's program, and um, uh, Kelly Carver Cook was. I took a couple of classes from her, and she. Um, the second tech writing class, the, one, the second one of the two that you had to pass in order to stay in the major, um, she had she had the class. She had a list of, of technologies. It wasn't just software, but technologies. And each person in the class picked one, and then we went and we took some time to research it, and then we talked to the class about. And mine was JavaScript, and I. You know, I I may have heard of JavaScript at that point. You know, didn't know a lick of it, and but I looked into it, learned about it, and talked to the class about it. And so that was a way for for everyone to get exposed to a little bit more than maybe they would have otherwise. Was that thirty four ten? Yeah. Yeah. We have talked about the the software class, the tools class, that idea, and we have nixed it. Um, but I know it comes up. 
all the time. Um, I kind of assume that students are getting certain things, and I think we've got a small enough faculty to kind of assume they're getting certain things along the way. They have basic computer, students at Weber State have basic computer requirements. You have to pass off this TBE class with word processing, Excel, PowerPoint, that kind of stuff, yeah. right? And um, really basic. But the, the assumption is in 3100 at least you learn to maybe take word a little farther, maybe learn how to use some styles here and there. I can't assume that everybody does, but <laughs> that's a good <laughs> But so in the content management class I do that. I have them do their own software skills summary so they figure out what software do they know, how well do they know it, and then they can kind of see where their gaps are. Mm -hmm. And then they go out and evaluate tools for the content management project to find tools that would best suit whatever project they've decided to do. Um, but that's been, uh, and I know TechCom programs debate this all the time. Do you do a tools class, do you not? Yeah, but that, what you just said there, I think is really big. You, you have a, a project or a concept and then you go out and try to tool this. Yeah, yeah, see that's, that I know, that makes sense to yeah, me. Yeah, instead of, I have this tool and I'm gonna use it for everything. Right, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. right. Because, yeah. The, you know, and I'll tell them, I say, even if you wanna use Word, look into open office look into these other things see if there's maybe something just check it out so at least you're exploring what these other things are and then when it comes time to write your resume yeah i know open office right yeah. yes and that goes back to goes what? back to the lynda.com thing yeah. where you you see a job you see something that you don't know how to do and uh well yeah i can do that download it uh, the evaluation copy and go to lynda.com and go through the essentials and it shows you step by step by step by step how to do that uh, particular project and so it's because my big complaint with the tools classes is they're out of context yeah and if you mm -hmm. take if you learn a tool I did this I went and took a RoboHelp class it was awful <laughs> it was terrible and I didn't remember any of it yeah I mean, I wasn't invest. I wasn't working on anything right then. You know, I made up a dummy fake project, and you know, it was fun at the time. But I got home and I was like, Psh, all gone. Yeah, I if I was actually Contexts. working on something, yeah. then it makes sense. But. What about open source at your facility or wherever you corporation? Do you all use open? Yeah. Uh, we, we use we use one open source tool a lot, and that's MediaWiki. Oh, yeah. so it's what Wikipedia runs on. Mm -hmm. But a lot of students often ask, well, can I use GIMP instead of Photoshop and this mm -hmm. Inkscape instead of something else? Mm -hmm. It's not. It's really not worth your investment of time to spend months learning a tool that isn't industry standard. Right. Yeah. I wish yeah. that I had learned a better visual graphics tool mm -hmm. a lot earlier. Mm -hmm. but, but when I started to learn Illustrator, it opened up a lot of doors. And there are, a lot, there are substitutes to that, but, but really, um, you want to be able to put that on your resume, and also you want to use the tool that you're probably going to be using yeah. in the workplace once yep. you get in there, even though it's like six hundred dollars. Mm -hmm. And so they all, because they all integrate. So I'd say there's a balance to that, though, too, right? Yeah. If you can use um, GIMP, then you can probably use Photoshop. Those skills are transferable in many cases, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're a student and you don't have money to buy a full version of Photoshop and you want to be able to list that you have graphics experience on your resume, go ahead and download GIMP, install the software, learn how to use it, do some projects, put them in your portfolio. And then, uh, and then in your cover letter, you can talk about how you have skills in, in, in graphics software that are transferable into whatever program they're going to be using. Because those, those skills really, 
are they're transferable. transferable. They, they largely are, but why not download Photoshop? It's well, free yeah. for 30 days. Yeah, spend a month in days. intensive. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> we get had another computer. You had a student <laughs> over here who was trying yeah, to get in. I, I just wanted to say basically what you're saying about how, yeah, it's free for 30 days. And then I had a question, you know, as professors, I heard a comment earlier about how you really don't have all the money in the world to be able to purchase these items. I know Microsoft has basically said any schools that want to use our software, go for it. Um, have we heard about any other companies like Photoshop, for example, you know, Adobe that would do something? And we like do. That? We have all that stuff. Like, mm -hmm. we have the Adobe, well, yep, yep, we have some of the Adobe. Adobe is sweet. Three and four, I think. We're right. not up to well, yeah. four is, close to, is, is as close to five as you need yeah. to be. But things like FrameMaker, which, you know, if, to me, uh, I don't know how many people use it out there in the world, but gosh, I love that tool. Yeah. I mean, from the business model, it makes a lot more sense from a yeah. Microsoft standpoint to just give this out. Have, right. Of course, that be the, the new industry right. standard so that when they have professionals leave right. and become professionals, they... Yeah. Yeah. What's the student price for? Yeah. It's, you know, it's five, it's hopefully they kind of manage the Yeah. 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 We had some big kerfuffle about that, that when I wanted to, you know, at least introduce my students to InDesign, I had to go through the virtual environment because we didn't have the licenses to mm -hmm. actually have it on their machines, which of course, you know, virtual environments suck. Yeah. So that was no fun for, for my students or me, because it's just so slow and so clunky that they couldn't get the stuff done. Right. Mm -hmm. Although students get a big discount yeah. on it. And yeah, they do. Should, students should not leave school without having bought it because you, if you really are serious about being technical, and that's the standard right now, and you should just get the Adobe package right. because it's and so much cheaper. And they integrate so that, yeah. uh, which is why, you know, if I can digress a second, that the sort of the history of the Nikon, why the Nikon became the camera of choice for, for war correspondence was because through a series of events they ended up in Vietnam with the Nikon that was the Leica clone. Mm -hmm. And then when they came out with an SLR, they just moved up to that. Well, all the parts were interchangeable. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so all of the photographers carried Nikons because they could swap out parts in a different, uh, different range finders and, and different lenses, uh, different um, uh, power lines, whatever. and. That's what's happened with industry. That's why WordPerfect went away. Mm -hmm. Because Word became the software of choice for industry and uh, Adobe is the software of choice for design. Mm -hmm. um, I guess Maya is the software of choice for animation and three, three, what is it? 3DS Max is the software <laughs> of choice for animation. And this is just how it is. If you're gonna get in those areas, that's the software you need to know. Um, and Adobe is so interchangeable now that, that I can't imagine why you would uh, use anything else. So get it while well, you can get it for three hundred dollars. Yeah, really. Uh, because it's it's seventeen hundred dollars for a full blown copy. 
of, me, of an Adobe suite. Let me jump in and just ask, at the University of Utah, a lot of the software is available in the computer labs. Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So I'm listening, go buy one and get your own, and why not go take advantage of what's free? Well, and we actually have a program called VMware, mm -hmm. where the students can put a anything that's on their school system on their, on their home computers, computers. so all the system. software that's available at school you can also access mm -hmm. from home now that's I would also rec the case at UVU now mm -hmm. yeah. I'd recommend go talk to the people in charge of the computer labs the libraries uh, we're very diversified at the U so I don't know how you guys work but each department has their own thing and quite often they're listening to suggestions so if you s mm. they have money to spend why not go in and say hey I'd really like to see this do you have it available and if enough people ask them yeah, I think you should computer labs until your last year of your senior year. Then you buy your thing. Exactly. So you right. No, no, yeah, that's that's. Uh, can you get the most agree. recent version? Yes, yeah, get the most recent version <laughs> for three hundred dollars, and you can use it mm -hmm. for a few years. Mm -hmm. yeah. I got a question. It's a little little change of uh, direction. It seems like a lot of the focus in these programs is to prepare students for the workplace, so that they'll excel in the workplace. Is there any kind of instruction that you give? to help students resist bad workplace practices. Because when they get into the field and they, be, they get their first job, they may find that they're the runt in the organization, they're asked to do things at the last minute, uh, they're not given in any input on prototypes, they're just really relegated into this um, marginalized position. This so isn't just when they start. <laughs> you know, some, some writers just kind of accept it, and others try to resist and break free of that. So are you preparing them to kind of be aware of this marginalization and then to adopt empowering techniques to overcome that? I would no. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think if you, I think even Paul Paul Anderson's book here, and most of them have this little section that begins with that. Mm -hmm. But I always start by telling the same story. When I was a technical writing uh, intern, I worked for a company, an uh, engineering company, and I wrote a beautiful manual. And I gave it to them, and they yeah. said. I love this, but we do not use thes in this company. <laughs> I'm like, you don't use the? <laughs> and, I, and they said, oh, look, you have a uh, here. We don't use that either. No Oops. articles. No articles. And I'm like, what? <laughs> but, you know, you just said, I said, okay, and I deleted them all. And, and the thing was, they, they worked with Asian companies, and yeah, they yeah. wanted to have I the easy it. transfer. They didn't know why they didn't do it, but that's what yeah. it amounted to. So in some cases, there's no point. You know, just delete the articles and go on your way. But in other right. places, when you get up higher in the in the t in the system, you can help people to make different kinds That's of right. systems. So if you can do well and they see your innovation, then you can make other kinds of innovation, and that's the most effective way. Right. Success is the best revenge. <laughs> and I think those internships are the the breaker there. That's when things happen. That's mm -hmm. when they realize, oh, they don't like the way I wrote this. You know. Yes, beautiful. This beautiful right. literary or piece. Or nobody's helping me, and I need help. Yeah. And they realize, or um, you know, my boss isn't getting back to me. I need feedback in you know tomorrow. That's when everything kind of seems to to real. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So no, yes, we prepare them in the sense that um, I think overall we prepare them, and I'm sure everybody else does through these series of classes where they have to collaborate with other people, work with people maybe they don't want to work with, usually they don't want to work with, work in groups when you don't want to work in groups, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, all that good stuff, and so as a result, 
you know, you get a thicker skin, but you also realize that um, there are other people, you know, uh, it's not just you sitting in your ivory tower writing. And can I just say to it from a student standpoint, we have one, uh, one teacher, named Diane Martinez, she's a doctoral student, and she's worked for a lot of companies, for the government, for Northrop Grumman, and as she teaches, she's teaching editing right now, but as she teaches, she brings up things that she's experienced, Good. like mm -hmm. uh, the engineers that she worked with kind of thinking that she didn't know what she was doing or that her job wasn't important. And as she's kind of shared those experiences, it's kind of given us ideas of things that we can do as we look for jobs, things to look for. I think it's beneficial to have some teachers that uh, and professors that have been in the real world recently, too. Recently. Yeah. In the real world. <laughs> <laughs> not, so recently. not to marginalize the rest of you all. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing against tenured professors. <laughs> and I don't do it on purpose, but I think my students do find that their like, um, interns do find that sometimes their boss doesn't get back to them. Uh, often <laughs> uh, and uh, sometimes they have to like work on their own and mm -hmm. figure out how to do it we also um, at the, particularly at the undergraduate <coughs> level have a lot of service learning courses that involve oftentimes a multimedia class or a design class a layout class and a writing class and for example last year the students had a project with the road home which is a homeless shelter downtown and so they had multiple clients because they had the homeless people, they had the person who brought them in, they had the counselors who were actually going to use the documents that they created. So that was a really interesting learning experience for them. The other project they did was with a, um, a senior center where they all wanted to learn to use Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> and so these students went in and were trying to, but, but they, they had very, clear expectations and so it was very good for the students to try to figure out how they could take what this group wanted and translate it based on the theories that they've been learning in class so that's another way that I think students can get some yeah. sense of that projects and uh, internships are the best the best teachers in fact when I was first teaching classes like this I had a st had students wrote a grant was awarded ten thousand dollars and then they found out that they couldn't keep it because the woman who had organized it all was not one of the signers or the people that mm. were a person who had authority for the company. So they'd done all this work, they, got te they, they won the award and had to turn the money back in. And it was a bitter pill for all of us. Yeah. But you have these moments and you never forget them. Well, and you do better next time. It also time. addresses that I worked so hard. hard. Yes. Like, oh, you know, well. I worked really hard to be a surgeon. And I'm sorry, I tough that guy up. And that's just <laughs> <laughs> I worked really hard. Yeah. Right. Well, I, that's interesting. Because I, I, as a professional technical writer, I've had to kind of divorce myself from the writing to some degree where I go and I went into a meeting last week and people are reviewing a script I wrote that's going to be filmed and um, and they were kind of like cautious in the beginning. Well, I think we should change this. I'm like, no, cut it up, take it, tear it to pieces. I don't, you know, this is, I mean, it's not personal. Let's I do don't it get my right name way. on it. it. It's like, I don't care what, exactly. if you don't like it, then tell me because I want to get it right. Exactly. And that's a hard, that was a hard transition to go from this like, my writing is very personal. It's and precious. It's yeah, it's mine. <laughs> and, and you, it's personal. If you if you if you cut it down, then it's a personal attack on me. And now I'm like, I put it out there. If you don't like it, tell me because we we got to get this right. We got to get it done. Let's get it out the door. But let's do it the right way. And 
if you're not going to tell me what you think about it, then we can't really work together. But yeah, that's the same time, though, again, I'm just thinking to push their own kind of thoughts in the writing. Oh, yeah, that's true. That was the guy who told me we couldn't use bullet, we couldn't use periods at the end of any bulleted or numbered list because that was his thing. I'm like, you don't even have a degree in any kind of communication. He also said we also have a style guide in our organization. There's a balance between the, you know, when you have this write by committee, you have five people in a room that are all going through some script. Yeah, by the end of like two hours, it's just garbage. But you get back to where you had that yenning, right? In some areas, you're like, you chop the whole thing up and then repiece it back together the way that I originally wrote it. But they felt like they had input, so whatever. As long as we get the thing done and everyone's happy because it was better. We have 30 English faculty working on our department mission statement yesterday. We did the yeah, mission statement. Yeah, it was fun. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, that's just a disaster. When I started it. I'm it was sorry. all your fault. <laughs> it was all my fault. So I'd be curious to know how we as professionals can support the, the academic side. How can we prepare? Can we help your programs? What ways can we be involved to help improve your programs? You know what? I think there's a, there is a disconnect between, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> you guys on that side of the table and, and those of us who <laughs> graduated from programs and have moved on, but I'd like to see more kind of communication and, and connection. We need an advisory board. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys do. Mm -hmm. We do have one. Need one. No, we need one. We should get one. We've uh, we've we been toying. That's another thing. See, I mean, you know, we've tried that. We have jobs, and all this stuff is 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 extraneous. You know, putting together an, an advisory board or advising the uh, student chapter of the STC or or all of that stuff. That's all service and doesn't count for anything. Mm -hmm. And so nobody <laughs> wants to do it. And so, uh, you know, I have, uh, we have a, uh, one of our students graduated, went to IBM in Austin. She was there for years, became one of the upper tier managers, came back to Cache Valley and she's telecommuting from Cache Valley to her office in, um, wow. in Austin and mm -hmm. she wants to help us out. She, all I have to do is call her and get her to come on campus and you know and I'll think about that at 2 in the morning <laughs> it's just uh, no we need we need to put together that's what you could do we need to put together an advisory board to uh, sort of help us with uh, developing the program and becoming a conduit uh, from uh, from out of the valley, but also, you know, advisory boards contribute a tremendous amount of money to. I don't know if you knew that. <laughs> well, in engineering, they do. Yeah, engineering and tech writing. Can you say dichotomy? <laughs> we're all we're all poor. All of us practic pra practical. Or Practicing technical writers, we're at the end of the food chain <laughs> in all of our companies, right? Mm -hmm. And honestly, I tell my students that because as working at WorldCom um, before it was, you know, indicted and Bernie Evers went to jail, um, <laughs> <laughs> which nobody gets, but thank you all for laughing. Um, I, I tell them that we are technical writers are, are, and we actually had a writing group which had nine people in it. This is in the late nineties. Um, and I told him, I said, as I was, as I went through that, that year and a half of hell, um, because I hated my manager, not because I hated the job, um, I 
just the writing group kept dwindling and dwindling and dwindling. By the time I left, I think we were down to four. And five had already found either quit and found other jobs or moved on out of this writing group to get away from this manager because he was evil. Um, but I tell them, you know, at, at a whim, one Friday, Fridays were always very nerve wracking because you never knew what was going to happen. And at a whim, on a Friday, the entire HR department got fired. Sorry, laid off. Um, and you never knew what was going to happen on a Friday. We get, you know, these weird emails. Friday, something's going to happen. And so we just kind of sit there and have our box ready in case we had to pack our stuff. And it was it was nerve wracking. But that's the I mean that's just that's the way it is. And it's not. And I, you know, these stories are ten years old, twenty years old now. They're still happening. Yeah, they're still and, happening. And, and the the email the email thread is all hands meeting. Beware of that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't go. Right. <laughs> I have a question about the uh, coming back to the advisory idea. Is the STC body of knowledge in any way useful to shaping programs and focuses? Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you aware of the STC body of knowledge? Be okay. That's what I know. <laughs> no, yeah. We actually uh, related to that. We our certificate that we just are getting approved. We've put in there um, the, the six core competencies that STC wants for their certification. So we're trying to work with STC on that level. Um, the body of knowledge, you know, I looked at that once and it overwhelmed me. And really? Yeah. Well, it's still in early. I mean, it's still it's early. They're accepting early. input, yes. The origins of, of that body of knowledge are really, they stem from academics' desire to have a core, core body of knowledge in order to shape and, and right. Create curriculums, right? So you can say, yeah, this is what we should be teaching based on this core. See, that's interesting because <laughs> the last conference I went to, the academics were saying it was something that was coming from the STC yeah, side of things. Yeah. yeah uh, I was so there's the real resistance amongst yeah. that group to what STC was forcing on us as academics. I was at CPTSC, which is the programs. Yes. And they were they were they really had heartburn over that. So where did it originate? Who cares? But I really think it originated from like the academics' desire to, to like have something official, really. And then the STC jumped on it as like a value proposition for the whole society. Well, I think the STC sees this as being necessary for a, to have a career. You have to have some sort of body of knowledge that you can certify against. But yeah. because you because it's if you have no yeah. mm -hmm. nothing to certify your knowledge against. What's You're not a profession. You need to know? So is that what they use to then generate these six core competencies? I'm not that know? familiar with it, so know. maybe yeah. <laughs> I have no idea. Really. Yeah, I uh, honestly I haven't looked at it. Uh, that's another thing. I just don't have time to look. At. So, so, and I guess when I ask about the we, uh, I, we being professionals, but we also being you know the the STC local chapter. Uh -huh. um, for those of you who don't know, I'm the chapter president of the Intermountain chapter, and so we as a chapter would like to know how we can support your your programs. And we'd like to convert your students into members of our chapter when they graduate. Right. We see a real disconnect between these, all these students that are getting you know, tech home educations, right. and then we have a chapter of 25 people right. um, throughout the entire state of Utah. So where's, where are we losing these students, and how can we, how can we transition them into membership of the organization? I think we have a chapter of 25 people. Yeah, well, we had our dues got raised by double last year. That, that was, that that was that that's the big problem. problem. I was going to say is that because uh, right now I, my my STC membership has lapsed, but I'm not really <laughs> hanging my head in too much shame because 
so expensive. It's so expensive. Well, as a chapter, we're trying to mitigate that by allowing anyone to come to our events for free. Well, we don't we don't require membership in the organization to be a part of our our yeah. listserv. We don't require to be members yeah. to be to come to our meetings to participate in any of those things that we do. Occasionally, twice a year, we have meetings that have a, a some sort of fee associated, like an all-day meeting, and we have one level of payment for members and one level of payment for non-members. But other than that. I mean, we're as a chapter trying to really reach out and say, "Hey, join us, even if you're not an STC member. <laughs> yeah. We want to develop the community in Utah and yeah, make right. sure that we can That's actually a good provide idea. that kind yeah. of support yeah. for the students when they graduate and yeah. for the, the professionals." What do the students think? I mean, what do you are you guys? Why do you think people aren't going in to STC? Because you're our audience, right? I don't really know the benefit. Yeah, it's hard to it's it's hard to see a benefit for a student graduating because you, you look at the jobs and they're all three to five years experience no. necessary and here's a student coming out with a couple of internships and um, you know I've been getting their the job listings have started picking up I think I'm they starting have. to get them <laughs> yeah. coming through but none of my students can apply for them. Mm -hmm. Molly, did you once require your students to join STC? Yeah, but that's the students who are taking the internship class. Yeah, I remember you did Yeah, that. we require that, don't we? The internship? No, they, 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 they do for capstone. The capstone? For a while, but they don't anymore. Oh, okay. Yeah. When Ryan Mullen taught it. Well, they're changing, they're changing the membership structure this coming year. So that now when you join, you are you are getting a membership in a chapter and in a special interest group by default. And student members also get a membership in a chapter, not just the student chapter. So students can be members of their you know, USU chapter right. or BYU chapter, and they can also be a member of the Intermountain chapter. Our, um, our secretary this year on the board is a student at Westminster. Yes, Mandy. Um, Mandy's our, Mandy's our, ch our chapter secretary. And, and we, we rewrote right. our bylaws this year specifically to allow, I mean, one of the things we included was to allow student members to serve on the chapter board, because we were trying to find ways to integrate and encourage student members to participate in the organization as a whole because we want to hear their voice and, and we want to help them be successful as they leave their programs and mm -hmm. join us in the so we call it the real world. What about your listserv? Pardon? What about your listserv? Uh, I, I'm on the listserv mm -hmm. and um, yeah I've been in the STC so long I've got a three-digit number. <laughs> <laughs> that is a long time. Wow. <laughs> you do really? No. <laughs> <laughs> Actually I do but it's at the other end. It's like 63,000. <laughs> uh, but, you know, if students join the listserv, but not much happens. I, I'm wondering if... Uh, well, their job... There was a lot of uh, discussion back when when the dues were changing. And mm -hmm. were yeah, uh, yeah, I saw that. There was yeah. a lot of activity on it. Um, there are some special interest groups, listservs, where people say, hey, I've got this kind of a project. I've got this question about it. What, you know, yeah. what, what, are, or what are people's experience with this tool? You know, we'd love to see more of that kind of activity on, on our list, or it just yeah. for some reason doesn't happen. I get tired of being the one send messages out. Yeah. It's it hearing from me. The, the, listserv, though, right. the listserv really isn't the benefit of the SCC because really there's nothing there, right? Mm -hmm. it's, the, it's the publications that are going to attract students to this like source of knowledge. Sorry, I didn't mean to diss the listserv. <laughs> I'm just saying there's not, you're not going to see like this huge value from well, it. And frankly, we can like to be a member of the listserv without being a member of SCC. I know, so I know. There's no added yeah. benefit there at all, really. Yeah. But, but the one thing that students can, can take advantage of are um, 
the intercom and of course the academic journal, right? Shouldn't right. that shouldn't that prepare students as well? Yeah, intercom. <laughs> intercom is good. I don't think the academic journal would be very useful <laughs> for them. Um, Graduate students, maybe. I said that's kind of tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, 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 I know. <laughs> yeah. But, the, you know, the other side of that is Tech Whirler. Yeah. And, you know, that's like a bunch of crotchety old guys. <laughs> 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 I, I got tired of them. <laughs> and they're crotchety old guys. No. Oh, okay. The what? Ray and Deb, they're the founders of Tech World. Oh, yeah, no. Well, she got, she got, it's the, it's the other people. Oh, okay. She, yeah, they're, they, I think they've sold it. She got her master's from us. Yeah. And it's one of our really great online teachers. Deborah? Deborah, yeah. I just want to say one thing back on your question about how could you help us. If, if any of your contacts have internships we are always looking for the yeah. best oh. quality internships yeah. for our students but but you know there's the competition you know in on my office I've got these walls because I'm the advisor of the STC allegedly and uh, the, the student chapter and there are all these competition plaques that we've won through the years and it just suddenly stopped uh, yeah I, I've noticed that as a student at Utah State is when I kind of started getting into the tech writing program you know, when I first was there, I started hearing all these cool things, and STC is so great, and then I started going this last year, and we had, like, three <coughs> meetings the whole year, and then it just stopped. It's like the, I don't know if it was the presidency day. Yeah, that was the presidency. And that's kind of what we were wondering. And so now me and Anna, we're a couple of the people who are in the presidency, and we're trying to get interest brought back into it because we are kind of figuring out that it is an important thing, and, and the plaques... You know, yeah, I mean, I've only heard about the, those things. <laughs> <laughs> I, I you guys want to judge in the competition? <laughs> yes, that's for Do you remember, do you remember years ago, our Go students yeah. our students went to the national, the national, no, the international, the international competition, competition at Salt Lake City, and they were sort of the helpers. And they were getting interviews in the hall. Yeah. You know, it was just, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind, yeah, the, the, there's been a disconnect over time uh, between the, the Intermountain chapter and the student chapter. We even had a, an Intermountain chapter meeting on campus once. So. Uh, yep, we and used it's to have at least one a year. Building those relationships. Yeah. We would love to have one of your students be on our board. At least, you know, we do dial-in board meetings once a month. Uh -huh. um, you can be anywhere you are and dial into our meeting. And Talk so to me. Any of you, anyone that has a student chapter, or we'd love to have your input. Frankly, I mean, so you know, call me afterwards, or I'll, you know, I'll give you a card before you leave if you want. Sounds great. Seriously, we need to wrap this up, and I apologize, but I am seeking judges for the competition. I believe that we'll have about twenty, between twenty and thirty entries, and if. The USU students would be interested in looking at the online, the electronic um, delivery entries. That has been historically one of the things that has really been popular up at USU. So either I can give you a card tonight okay. and you can get in touch with me or Dave can send me a message and we can hook up on that. Okay. But we also, you know, I didn't even know the competition. I didn't know there was a competition. I thought they'd just gone away. It's called the Summit Awards this year, mm -hmm. and it's on the announcement about it is on our website. Okay. We do have um, some repeat participants. 
that are that are sending stuff in. So, if each thing? of you would like to take just a minute, and if there are any other questions from the from the audience, either professionals or students, um, we would like to wrap this up in the next five minutes. Real quick, if, yes. you, if any of you are interested in writing a blog post for our website, you are more than welcome to do so, and that's probably something that you could point to in your Great. Mm -hmm. let, let me throw another thing out there too. We've got a bunch of community projects. If you're interested in doing like LDS Church community projects, like uh, maybe integrate them as an assignment, um, contact me because I can get up with some some real documentation that needs to be done. So I also have packets of our graduate materials. If anybody's interested in graduate school professionals or students, you're welcome to come up and get a copy. These are the business cards of the admissions counselor who knows everything about the program because he actually graduated from it. And Merlin Woods there. He is. Mm -hmm. Who he he described what you said about Merlin. He was your first. He, he was my successful first technically techie. savvy student. <laughs> this is like ninety six, ninety five. Uh. Would you mind sending out an email about the blog? Because sure. I can so send it to my today. students as well. Yeah, oh, it's on I, there I, today? Um, I, I sent around a, a, a roll kind of thing to get okay. using addresses, email addresses, and I can send it out to that list too. That'd be great. Yeah. Other comments? We appreciate you driving down from Logan. Thank you. This is well, thank you. Thank you for each of you. Thanks, oh, well, thanks, They're guys. real good about wow. giving presents. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we are. I've got I think we've got six people to show up. That's right. <laughs> 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 I'm in the chapter. So, yeah. thank you very much. Oh, sure. I'm going to take one too. Sure. I was aware of your program. One of my cards. We hope that you've got some good information tonight. Um, I have business cards if anyone is interested in judging in the competition, please contact me. They're my cards. Can I just put a plug in for our December event? Yes. Next month we're having a, um, a, a, a call and a webinar from a woman named Ashar James Canney. She, she was the society level secretary uh, until last year. She's going to be doing a presentation on HTML5 and CSS3 and how that's going to affect technical communicators. Um, it's going to be a great event. Is that December? December 10th. It's December 10th mm -hmm. at noon. At noon. We're doing it during the, during the work day so that professionals can just do, do it during their lunch hour, dial in and listen into this, this webinar. So grab a sandwich. Question and answer section so that you can ask her questions. And there's, it will be a great, great um, event. So check our chapter website for more information on that. Okay. And it is going to have a big impact. Yeah. You know, the, the, the assumption with uh, CS5 is that you're going to be doing complex and complicated information systems. That's commencement. Um,